Hello, and welcome to Compass Church. If you have any questions about this message or are interested in learning more, please contact us. We'd love the opportunity to connect. Now, enjoy today's message. Well, my name is Craig. I'm one of the pastors here. And this morning, if you have a Bible, please open it with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Here's what we're going to do. This has been our habit around these parts. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. We're going to be in verses 2 to 7. Isaiah 9, 2 to 7. I'm going to read, and then I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. You can reply, thanks be to God. And then I'm going to pray and ask for his help. All right, so Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You've multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest. They are glad like those who divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken it as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And dominion will be on his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his dominion and of peace... There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Let's ask for his help. Father, Christmas is an amazing opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity for us to take inventory. Father, we're thinking about ideas like peace. And so I pray this morning you'd help us to be honest with ourselves. Help us to really ask tough questions of, what do I think is going to give me peace? Father, I pray that your spirit would show up and work on our hearts so that we can experience transformation, that we can experience real peace, that we can receive the peace that you love giving, that we can receive that peace today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What if your career doesn't pan out the way you want it to? Like, what if you never have a job that you're excited to introduce yourself at parties of like, hey, here's what I do. I'm so excited about it. And, and I'm so excited about what I'm doing. What if that doesn't happen? Like, you know, we've all been in those scenarios before. Like, I used to have a job where I was basically a concierge at a credit union. Like, I just would write people's names down and tell them where the coffee was. That's not how I introduced myself at parties, though. I was a financial service representative, too. All right? We've all been there. Stay-at-home parents, you know this reality, right? Like, you're like, oh, what do you do? Oh, please don't ask me that. Right? What if your career doesn't pan out the way you want it to? What if you don't achieve the things you want to achieve? 
What if you never find romance? What if your loveless marriage stays loveless? What if you don't find that partner that you're looking for? Or how about this? We just saw a bunch of cute kids today. What if you never have kids? Can you live a full life without kids? What if you do have kids and, man, you trade them in? (laughs) Can you experience fullness? Can you experience wholeness if it doesn't pan out the way you want it to? Because that's what peace is all about. The word peace, it comes from the Hebrew word shalom, and it has this idea of wholeness, being put back together, being the way things should have been. So, for example, in 1 Kings, there's a literal wall with a literal hole in it, and Solomon is said to have brought shalom to that wall. Did he do something spiritual? No, he just filled it in. He brought wholeness to the wall. What does wholeness look like for you? Well, for many of us, if we're honest, our idea of wholeness, our idea of peace, we get it by winning. We achieve something, and the prize for all of our efforts is peace. It's wholeness. It's the life that we wanted to live. And and, and let's be really honest. For a lot of us, we want to win And we want to be seen winning. That's why you hate Becky. Who's Becky? You know Becky. You looked at her Instagram this morning, okay? On Becky's Instagram, she just happened to be caught. You just happened to snap a picture of her with like her Christmas decorations and her spread all out there. And she had these cool pajamas on. It looked like Oprah and Ellen and Reese Witherspoon were all just about to knock on the door and have coffee with Becky, and she's not even trying. (laughs) You see Becky, and you get depressed. I get depressed. I don't, I don't even really like Christmas decorations, okay? Like, I'm up here, and I'm just grateful these aren't real, okay? (laughs) Like, at our house, we have a string of lights around a banister, and I'm like, oh, is this too much? This is a lot. Okay, and I, I get jealous of Becky. Why? Because she's winning, and we all saw her win. And like the question that if we're honest this morning, if we're just going to be honest with ourselves, is how do you think you achieve peace? How do you think you get peace? On the other side of what you want, there's peace, right? Well, what is it that you want? want? How do you achieve peace? And Isaiah this morning gets face to face with us there. He's saying this loud and clearly, you do not achieve peace. Peace cannot be achieved. On the other side of you nailing it, on the other side of you reaching your goals is not peace. It's just more searching, more hunger. Peace cannot be achieved. Peace can only be received. Okay? Peace cannot be achieved. It can only be received. Look, I grew up Baptist. I got a rhyme. Okay? I'm sorry. And here's, here is where Isaiah gets up in our business this Christmas. This poem comes on the heels of someone 
who couldn't stop achieving to receive. He refused to receive. And so Isaiah gets annoyed, like really annoyed. And so he goes on this long, like just saying, hey, here's what happens when you keep trying to achieve and you never really stop and say, hey, like, what am I doing? What am I fighting for? And so he, he's trying to take our hearts on this journey with us. And he's trying to say, hey, look, there's two things we need to do. Like we need to stop this, to stop this achieving, to stop this fight. We don't just give up. Okay, rest, spiritual rest is not inactivity. There's nothing wrong with Christmas decorations. There's nothing wrong with having a career you're proud of. Love is not bad and kids are not bad. It's not like, well, I want these things. Okay, I'm just going to quit. That's not what Isaiah is saying. He's trying to change our heart motivation, the target. So that now we do these things not from a place of, I'm going to win and you're all going to see me win. But rather, we're doing these from a place where we have received and they're gifts. So here's what he's saying. You need to, to do this. To get to this place, you need to learn to ask for others for help. Learn to ask others for help. And then you need to learn to see that most of your day is spent receiving something. So we're going to learn to ask others for help. And then we're going to see that most of our day is spent receiving something. And we're going to take an inventory on what those things are. Let's talk about how we need to ask for help, okay? This was written uh, in the middle of a chaotic scene, this poem that we just read. Literal not peace, so calamity. So here's what's happening. At this point in Israel's history, there's been a civil war. Israel and Judah break off. Israel is like bad news bears. They're like, in this point of the story, it's like, hey, they're so bad, we're just going to focus on Judah. So Israel makes a treaty with Syria, and they're like, hey, we're going to war with Judah. That's where Isaiah is, and that's where King Ahaz is. And Isaiah goes to Ahaz and says, hey, I know it looks bad. I know it doesn't look like there's going to be any peace, but don't worry. God's got you, okay? He's going to provide. He's going to take care of you. These two nations are like a candle in the wind. They're going out very soon. Just trust. He'll take care of you. He'll provide. Ahaz hears this and goes, yeah, but I'm going to hedge my bets somewhere else. I can't receive. I can't receive help from God. I need to achieve. I need to be the one that brokered this peace. I need to do that. And so earlier in chapter 7, Isaiah is like, look, ask for a sign. It can be anything. Just so you trust that God's going to do that. He'll do whatever you want. Just at, You have like a get out of jail free card. Ask God. He'll show you he's going to really provide. All you have to do is trust. And Ahaz, like all of us, plays like the spiritual card, right? Oh, no, 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 no. I don't. I don't need a sign. I, that's, no, no, no. And it sounds kind of pious at first, right? Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, he trusts God. But based on Isaiah's reaction, we know that's not what he's doing. Look at what Isaiah says uh, in 7.13. He says, listen up, house of David. So Ahaz is a king. He's like, listen up, king. Is it too little that you annoyed men, but now you also must annoy God? Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and bear a son. Here's what he's saying. He's saying like, you don't want to admit your need. You want to be free here because this is what Ahaz believes and we all believe this too. Freedom is debt-free. Look, I, can, I, I don't need anybody's help. If I need help, I owe them something. Freedom is debt-free. I'm a self-made person. 
pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I did it. I don't need help. That's what's driving Ahaz here. He's like, don't give me help. I, I got peace. I can achieve peace. I can make this right. And God's like, yes, by trusting me. And he's like, no, 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 I can do it. And here's what Ahaz learns the hard way. Freedom is debt-free, but it's not cage-free. Freedom is debt-free, but it's not cage-free. Ahaz saw himself in a pit, and he grabs a rope to climb his way out of it. This other nation that's going to come and make a treaty and say, hey, all right, you guys rescue us because these two people are coming from the north. If you help us, we're good to go. So he grabs a rope on the way out. But it turns out not to be a rope. He turns out to have grabbed a tiger by the tail. That nation he makes a treaty with ends up doing way more damage than the two nations in the north ever would have done and ends up giving way to the exile when Judah's lights finally go out. Here's what he learned. Freedom, those things that we're seeking to achieve become prisons for us. That thing that you want, your career, just to make it, you want to win at all costs, that very quickly becomes a cell. It's a golden-shaped cell, or golden-plated cell. It's a cell of our own design, but it's, it's still a prison. See, like, we can't ever achieve enough. There's just hungry on the other side. Like, when you do finally get that perfect Instagram snap of your family, like, just looking like they're enjoying the holidays, you're going to be like, ah, oh, but so-and-so did it better. We can't ever really achieve peace. And that's why this passage is really good news. Look with me again at verse 4. This is what it says. The yoke of his burden. The yoke of his burden. What was the yoke of Ahaz's burden? Another country. They're literally being taken off into slavery. So they have this yoke of a burden. His desires for peace did not bring out peace. It brought about calamity. Just like our desires for peace and wholeness only fuel calamity in our lives. So he's saying this, that his, what he thought would bring him peace became a burden on his shoulder. That's verse 7. The staff for his shoulder. The rod of his oppressors. But what happens in verse 6? Look at verse 6. The government is on, where is it on? Jesus's shoulders. There's an exchange here. Hebrew commentators get really uncomfortable uh, with this when it's talking about the names of Jesus and it says, wonderful counselor, mighty God. It literally says in the Hebrew, the warrior God. And they get uncomfortable, it's like, wait, God comes and is a, is a person and is this warrior God? What does that mean? Uh, Christians have been uncomfortable with this passage because we've used it to justify the Crusades. We're like, hey, his kingdom is really big and he's the warrior God. Let's go to battle. But this is actually a ton of good news in this passage here. Here's what it says about this, that he's the warrior God and he's not conquesting. It's not imperialism. He's not like violently trying to take over our neighbors. What does he do? He's helping us experience jailbreak. Those things that we were searching for that would bring us peace, they became our shackles, and he breaks those shackles so we can have peace. And listen to what he says in in verse 7. In his kingdom, there is no end to the peace. When we receive, when we learn to receive, we learn to live in this kingdom. We learn to experience a place where the peace is not in short supply. Where we're not constantly having to chase 
but we're just having to practice learning to receive. And, and, and this is why I say we need to learn to ask others for help. Like, if you can ask, if you can ask God whom you can't see for help, how can you not ask those whom you can see for help? See, like, part of the reason that you don't like asking for help is not because you're like, oh, you know, I don't want to be a bother. I, you know, I just don't want to bother people. But it's actually because there's a heart behind that that doesn't like receiving grace. It's that debt-free desire. And that is alive and well in me. I don't know if you know this. Maybe you can tell by looking at me. I am not the handiest guy in this church. I, any row I sit in, I am not the handiest guy in that row, Okay. And so several years ago, uh, Amy and I were living in Kentucky, and I was about to have a colonoscopy. And so uh, for any of you who've had colonoscopies, they're great fun, and you have to drink this thing the night before to kind of clean out the system, right? So I had just drank that thing, and uh, Amy's like, hey, can you move the car for me? Sure, no problem. I need to move the car, and I'm moving the car. It had just snowed, and I'm just moving up a hill, and it snows, and boom, I get it stuck. Just taking the medicine. Hey, Amy, this is, like, not good. How do I get the car out of here? She's like, call Aaron. Aaron is very handy. He's one of my best friends. He's our neighbor. And I'm like, ah, I don't want to bother him. She's like, what? He would love to help you. I'm like, no, I got it. I got it. So I'm digging and I'm digging, and the car gets more and more stuck. And then, like, I'm on a clock here, right? I'm just like, this is not, this is not good. And Amy's like, did you call Aaron? Did you call Aaron? And I was like, I don't want to bother him. She's like, call Aaron. An hour goes by, the car is more stuck. So reluctantly, I call Aaron. I, hey, buddy, what are you doing? He's like, nothing. What do you want me to do? I was like, well, I don't want to be bothered, but can you like, help me get my car out? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two minutes. Poof. He just gets in and it's out. <laughs> Why didn't I want to ask for help there? Because I have a heart that wants to achieve, not a heart that wants to receive. I didn't want to look helpless in that moment. The reason you can't ask others for help is not just because you have this Midwestern, like, oh, we'll just tough it out kind of mentality. It's because you don't want to be on the receiving end of help. We, we naturally don't want others' help because we want to win and we want to be seen winning. But there's good news for people who need help. It's that this Savior comes and he breaks you out of that jail cell. He loves giving gifts to his children. And this is what this says. Look again. Hear this with new ears. I've heard this a million times. This is amazing. Right here. This is what it says in verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Christmas is all about receiving. I know there's kids in the room and all your parents are like, don't say that. Like you're not receiving Paw Patrol gifts, okay? Like Christmas is really though about coming to God with open hands and saying like, I need, I need, give. And he loves giving. Some of us don't do that because it sounds more pious to be like, no, 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 I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort this out myself. I'm just gonna figure it out. That's not honoring to God. Christmas is about receiving. It's about admitting our need. And the reason you can't ask others for help is because you have a hard time asking him for help because we want to win. That's the first thing. The second rhythm of this passage. So if that's true, how do we, how do we change? Like if, if we really are just like addicted to winning, what do we do? How do we change? 
Here's what we need to see. We need to see that so much of our day is spent already receiving something. We spend so much of our day receiving things constantly. And we need to learn to recognize that we already have this posture of receiving. Let me give you an example. Becky again. We'll go back to Becky. I want you to imagine with me for a second, like, your relationship with your phone. Okay, and please don't... I talk a lot about, like, phones and how I hate phones. But, like, please hear this from someone else. Cal Newport, he is a secular secular, as in not a Christian. He is a secular computer scientist, okay? So this is coming not from a pastor who's just fuddy-duddy and boring. This is coming from a secular computer scientist. Are you catching who this is coming from? A secular computer scientist. Here's what he says. He has no interest in faith at all. He says this, phones are undermining religion, okay? You're like, what? That sounds super anti-phone. Hear me out for a second. You wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you look at? It's not your beautiful spouse, it's your phone. All right? You grab your phone. What's the first thing you look at on your phone? You open up Facebook, you open up Instagram. Who do you see? Becky. What's Becky doing? She's winning. What are you not doing? You're not winning. Now how do you feel as you go throughout your day? Good? No. That's receiving. You are receiving a message, not even really from Becky. You're just receiving this message that, man... I should be achieving. I should be winning. And you're not. Here's what I want you to do. Take your phone out of your room. Take your phone out of your room. And we have all these like little red Bibles under the table. Take one of those. That's what they're there for. Take a Bible and put it on your nightstand. Not your phone. You're like, I'll just read, I'll just read my, my Bible on, my, the Bible on my phone app. No, you're just going to be on Facebook two minutes later, okay? Take your phone out of your room. Put a Bible there. And instead of starting your day... With Becky, start your day with a psalm. Ed read a beautiful psalm today. Read that five times. You know what's going to happen? Nothing. Okay? The writer Wesley Hill tells this story. He talked about seasons of his life where he was depressed. He just couldn't figure it out. He was just like in these slumps. And so he would every once in a while wander into a church, and he'd wander out, and nothing got better. He would still be depressed. But then he looks back at other seasons of his life where he was constantly going to church and he didn't know why when he was depressed. And he said, those things sustained me. Here's the thing. You're going to read your Bible. You're, maybe. You're going to, you know what? Craig told me to do this. I'm not going to look at social media. I'm going to look at my Bible first thing tomorrow. And you're going to not feel better. Keep at it. You're not going to feel better for a while. It's these habits. Because we spend so much of our day receiving things You didn't get into this depression, this slump overnight. You're not going to get out of it overnight. We need to hack these habits. And it's going to feel legalistic. You're going to be like, man, like, I just feel like, oh, this is just, I'm doing this dead spirituality. I'm reading my Bible and I don't know why. And this is what you need to remind yourself. Because I'm I'm a receiver. I'm constantly receiving messages. And I need to put myself in a place where I'm just receiving a message of grace versus a message of achievement. Because look, as James K.A. Smith says, that society has two speeds. Win at all costs or give up. Win at all costs or give up. Tom Brady, anybody? All right, Chiefs fans, you're going to win today, so just, it's fine. It's fine. But, But here's Tom Brady, right? The dude's 42 years old. I don't even think I could catch a snap. Right? Like, this dude is like a, a, a great athlete. He's won more Super Bowl rings. I think he's tied, right? Is he tied for the most Super Bowl rings? He's got six, okay? I don't have any, right? 
Big deal, right? And he's, they're 10-2 and two right now, and everyone's like, mm, he should give up. He just, you know, he just should give up. Why? Because it's win at all costs or quit. When we keep receiving messages like that, what do you think that does to our souls? Where it's like, you don't matter. You can't achieve peace. You can't achieve wholeness unless you're totally crushing it. And by the way, all these people have a crazy head start. We're never going to receive peace. That's why we need to hack these habits. As one writer says, 40% of our days, 40% of our days are on autopilot. We're just doing habits. Like, how many of you brushed your teeth this morning? You don't have to raise your hand. You didn't think about that at all. You just did it. It's a habit. And so what we're trying to do by getting the phone out of the room and reading scripture first is we're trying to hack your habits. We're trying to say like, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to receive a message of grace as I start my day. And it's probably not going to change me for a really long time. But here's what I'm going to do. Over time, I may look back and be like, you know what used to matter to me a lot? I used to be so afraid that I would miss something if I wasn't constantly checking my phone. Like I'd be so afraid that like, the next big thing would happen and I wouldn't know about it. Man, that used to matter to me. You know what matters to me now? No, you know, it matters to me now that other people experience what I'm experiencing. I'm experiencing this freedom and this grace. Take a Bible home with you. Seriously, I would love it if we came in here and we had to fill up these Bibles because they were gone. That's what they're there for. Take them. We're talking about peace. We're talking about wholeness. Can your life really look whole if you don't achieve what you want? Let me ask you a, a question that's going to make you uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable asking it. Could you live a full life? Could you live a whole life from a wheelchair? Like, what if you just had this debilitating illness? Do you think you could still achieve wholeness? What if your life looked like this? Don't worry, boys. He won't get far on foot. It's the name of that movie. That's uh, John Callahan. Callahan was a contemporary of uh, Gary Larson from the far side. He drew comics. Uh, and his life story, his biopic, uh, Robin Williams, before he died, bought the rights to it. His, uh, in his movie, it's played by uh, Joaquin Phoenix, and Gus Van Sant directed that, okay? So, and he's still asking questions, can I achieve peace? Can I achieve wholeness? If he can't achieve peace, and if he can't achieve wholeness with that resume, we can't achieve it. And here, here's what happened. That wheelchair became his prison. He had been uh, a partier, an alcoholic in L.A., trying to find himself, and then he was driving one night with a friend at 90 miles an hour, and the friend uh, mistook a telephone pole for an exit. John was uh, paralyzed from the torso down and uh, was completely dependent on the help of others for the rest of his life and talked about how this wheelchair is a prison. And for the next several years of his life, dove deeper into addiction because he's trying to ask himself, can I be whole in this chair? We're uncomfortable asking that because it just seems like, of course you can, because we're not faced with that. It was hard, like being totally dependent, getting baths from strangers. And he's asking the question, can I live a whole life? What does peace look like for me? And he drank, and he drank, and he drank. And at one night, after all this drinking, he realized in an epiphany that the chair actually wasn't a prison. The chair was helping to set him free. Addiction got him into that chair. 
He was drunk driving, and then it drove him deeper into addiction. But then he learned from this chair, I need others. And so he started, he, he met this guy who also was addicted, who helped him experience love. This movie is a great example of people, it, it's amazing. It's people who are seeking the kingdom, like we talked about last week, without the king. And he almost gets there. He gets to the finish line. He almost experiences peace and wholeness but look, he's not in the kingdom where the, Jesus is king and he promises a peace that has no end. So he's almost there. But on the way there, he teaches us that the things that we're seeking, our ambitions won't ever really make us whole. And you can have wholeness even if you don't achieve. Even if you never really get what's on the other side of your ambitions, on the other side of your desire. You can experience this peace. How? Because it's a peace that is only received. It's a peace that's only received. And it's given from a God who loves giving it away. The point of Christmas is this, that a child has been given. The point is that you receive. The point is that you experience wholeness. We need to come to God expecting that he not only wants to make you whole, that he not only wants to rescue you from the golden cages you put yourself in, but he loves doing it. It's the deepest joy in his heart. And so yes, we need to embrace this idea of receiving. We need to embrace this idea that we can't ever achieve this peace It's only received. That doesn't mean stop trying. That doesn't mean that your goals are bad. But it means that we have a totally different starting point. This idea of receiving everything as a gift. Let's pray. Father, Father, you are the God who gives. Father, I pray that you would help us to be expectant, to love coming to you with open arms, Father, I pray that we as your people would trust that you are setting us free from this idea of we have to do, we have to achieve. And I pray that we would just trust you, that we would receive. You are the great warrior God who loves breaking his people out of their chains. And I pray that we would continue to to experience that this holiday season. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.